You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. Where you go, Auburn fans? Welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion. Part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with Jared Davis. We're surviving the coronavirus right now. We're making it. <laughs> we miss A-Day, the spring game today. But Jared, how are you surviving? How how's that hair doing? Did you get a haircut yet? <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's funny you ask. My wife, I, we went online and I ordered five dollar uh hair clippers and last night she said, Do you have a comb? I said no. <laughs> so we just made it do she made do with just her fingers and she did pretty good, man. Uh, nice. I, we may we may be saving about thirty bucks a month now, even when we get out of this. <laughs> yeah. I mean I'm sure there's still gonna be people that obviously go out and get their hair cut just because it you just go out there a professional does it and you're done but i can see other people saying hey you know my girlfriend my wife can do my hair and uh you know i can save an extra 25 30 dollars a month just getting somebody else to do it yeah i i enjoy getting a haircut as weird as that sounds so it's gonna be hard for me to stop but uh, if she can do a good job it's uh, we go to sports clips and i don't wind up watching the sports anyway so <laughs> I could save 30 bucks. Uh, it might be worth doing. Yeah. Yeah. I do actually do the same thing. I, I kind of enjoy a haircut as weird as that may sound for a guy, <laughs> but you know what? I I like the social aspects of it. Just that. And uh, I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit of an extra connection there um, that just passing by somebody that you don't have because you're stuck in a chair and you got to be there for 20 minutes or however long to get your haircut. <laughs> Real funny story, The one of the ladies at the Sports Clips is a huge Alabama fan, so when I walk in, usually I just say first available. If I see her, uh-huh. I, cho- I choose somebody so I don't get her. Is that bad? <laughs> I mean, if she saw or you referenced anything that was Auburn, I feel like she, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I'd probably do the same thing. I feel bad doing it, and then I'm like, eh, then all these moments of Alabama fan experiences play in my head, and then mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, oh, that was the right decision. Yep, 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 very true. Um, all right, so we're going to get into a little bit of a discussion uh, about just little bits of news that have happened over the last couple of weeks since we last recorded, and uh, then we're going to get into a fun discussion that uh, Jared actually thought of, uh, which was, which is the best Auburn football team ever? Just, you know, the cumulative team, who they were, what they accomplished, and then uh, we'll discuss that. So let's start off with some news. Just some very basic news. Um, so I saw um, this news story, which I thought was kind of interesting. It was about a backup quarterback that Auburn acquired. Didn't even really honestly hear about him. His name is Cam Noel, or Yoel, I guess. Yoel, I guess. I don't know. Y O W E L L. Cam is all I heard. I was like, is he, does he have more eligibility? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody that's a quarterback named Cam, I feel like Auburn's just going to go after him. <laughs> You have to. You have to. Yeah. Um, but this guy, apparently, they, he was contacted by Kenny Dillingham right after Joey Gatewood left the team uh, and pretty much said, hey, you're at a community college right now. Do you want to come play at Auburn uh, and get a shot? And he ended up coming. Uh, I think he's just a walk-on, but it's still kind of neat to hear little bits of stories like that. Uh, another player that we ended up getting, um, which is the more recent one, was an offensive tackle grad transfer uh, from Akron. Uh, his name is Brandon Council. He's six foot four, three hundred and twenty-three pounds. I mean, that that just sounds like a definition of an offensive tackle to me. How good is he at social distancing people from Bo Nix? That's my only question. Mm, that, that's his. That's going to be his job all season. I mean, that should have been one of the interview questions. <laughs> 
like i feel like that's a creative interview question hey how how good are you at social distancing protecting people <laughs> protecting. there you go that's right yeah um but just a little bit of info on him uh so you get to know him a little bit um he's last started at uh, akron um he played 24 consecutive games uh and uh, he played tackle and guard on the offensive line so you're looking at a guy that played a little bit of variety on the offensive line. So it sounds like we re- recruited him as an offensive tackle, but I feel like if we really needed him to move around, we could probably do that. Uh, he still does have, which is I thought kind of interesting. I feel like grad transfers usually have one year tops. And uh, this guy actually has two years of eligibility left. Um, so if he, he ends a up smart guy, he... yeah, like maybe he graduated earlier. I don't. Maybe I'd have to do the math. Maybe he redshirted one year and then. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's usually just one year of eligibility. Yeah, yeah. So I have a feeling, um, and I think you had made this point off air that Auburn really, since we aren't going to have a spring practice, getting the the guard, offensive line, we probably need some offensive linemen that could just day one get started, jump in there and play. Um, versus some underclassmen that may not have had as much experience. So going after a guy like Brandon Council seems like a good way to do that. Um, and I'm curious to see if we end up landing any more like this. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I, he's 6'4", 325. I mean, you get a guy like that with the right coaches, and uh, you know, good things can, can happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, a couple other things. Uh so you may have seen pictures uh, around social media on, of this, but I thought it was kind of interesting. Auburn's uh, in Jordan hair, replacing the LED lights. Uh, we already knew about this. This wasn't groundbreaking or anything, but they're going ahead and replacing uh, their lights with LED lights. So now we're moving to what people probably remember as uh, Alabama having the LED lights. But remember, Auburn baseball and Auburn soccer, both of their fields already had LED lights well before those became the popular cool thing for football stadiums to do. So <laughs> I feel like we're not really copying them. It's them copying us and then just our football being a little bit behind and updating our lights, which you know I, I can be okay with. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I know some people were kind of poking fun at the other schools that did that last year, but it was a pretty cool scene when they, during quarters, would change the lights and all that. Got the crowd going. Can you imagine us doing swag surfing oh with, my the, gosh. with the lights going? Um, That'd be nuts. Yeah. Just just put some like blue lights on there, and it literally will look like a wave, like mm-hmm. swag surfing. Yeah, I think it. it fun times. Let, let's hope we get to have those fun times. Yeah, that's right. Um, and one other thing. So uh, with the coronavirus, um, so Auburn University has uh, pretty much said for on-campus events, it, I think it was previously like mid-June or something like mid, like June 15th, but they've pushed it out to June 30th that no on-campus events will happen. So you're looking at, again, the the students can't come onto campus and the student-athletes can't practice. Uh, so you're looking at even getting pushed back a little bit further for the fall camps to get started. Um, though... Uh, Really, when fall camps do get started is late July or early August. So you're still looking at a little bit of buffer there uh, of like a month or so. And I'm hoping, really hoping, crossing my fingers over here, that we still have a fall practice, a full fall practice um, before the football season gets started. Um, I guess one quick discussion before we jump over to your uh, discussion, What which team is better? Uh, Auburn football teams are better. Uh, what do you do? You think that the season will get pushed back? Say potentially just taking out the first couple non-conference kind of games, and uh, then just having maybe a nine or ten game season or something like that. I don't know. I really don't. Um, you know, no scientist here. I've heard some doctors here recently say that we may be able to have our you know summer trips. There will be, That'd be obviously great. obviously precautions that we'll have to take. Um, but if we're able to get to a point where we can go on summer vacations, that is very promising for the fall. Now, is this thing going to resurface when we all get back out? Is it going to resurface when fall comes around? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that we ever will. Um, the money to be made is so large that I think if there's any chance of doing it, we do it. I'm not saying that's the smart idea. 
Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I think that's what happens. If it's to a point where you can, I think we do it. Yeah, and I think so too. Um, I recently saw uh, just a table of which sporting events uh, make money, profit loss. Um, so do they make money or not? Uh, and the one smaller ones like men's tennis or um, I'm trying to think of another one. Like women's soccer doesn't always make money for a college uh, because you know you got to get ticket sales you have maintenance of every uh, facility that they use and then you kind of got to factor that in and whether or not they make a profit or not the three major sports that tend to make profits baseball basketball football so you know the three main ones that we we think Mm -hmm. of Uh, of those three you got baseball basketball and football football is by far the most profitable um, or at least for the major universities. Now, of course, if you're at a university that doesn't have a football team, then it's probably going to be something like basketball. Yeah. Um, so you're looking at a lot of lost revenue um, that a lot of colleges are probably going to look at. And I'm sure Anthony Green and other ADs around the SEC and just nationwide are trying to figure out how are we going to make it, um, make the amount of money that we need to to keep up, for example, us uh you know continuing to improve our facilities and keep the the best recruits coming to our school yeah i mean i think and and we talked about it before um if march madness had time to come up with a plan um it might have looked a lot different i mean they Mm -hmm. got hit you know they got hit with it immediately as the tournament was about to start and ultimately no time to i mean you've seen baseball they're trying to do a maybe you haven't but they're trying to do a thing where they readjust the leagues and everybody plays in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. They just basically they just quarantine around these parks. Mm-hmm. They stay there and they play. So um, I don't think football is going to do anything like that. They may delay some games, but there is time to come up with a plan. There was not, cause you talk about money, you know, March madness was a huge moneymaker too, but there just was no time. I mean, it happened yep. right away. Yeah. I mean, they, they saw the NBA shutting down their season. They saw other professional sports and then you just saw yep you saw the the cards flipping over all right yeah you got to shut this thing down you can't even do it with no fans in the in the stands and i mean that's the benefit that football has we have essentially five six months to figure out a solution to this uh, before things get uh, kicked off all right let's jump over to uh i think the meat of this podcast which will be uh, Jared's discussion. This is something that, uh, because there's no football that we can talk about, there's no spring practices. Um, but it was something interesting that Jared and I thought, um, would be a good discussion to kind of walk through, which is, which is the best Auburn football team just cumulatively. Um, so Jared, I'm going to hand it over to you and, uh, kind of let you lead this one. And, uh, we'll talk through, uh, the various teams that we've picked out. We're trying to come up with some things to talk about here because we don't have A-Day. Uh, and this is one that I've always chatted with my buddies about, and I think it'd be fun to, to chat with you about, um, is who is the best – what are the best Auburn teams of all time? And in fairness, um, we only went back to 1993. You could bring in some of Bo's teams. You could go back to the 50s. Um, we are not uh, due to our age. <laughs> we were trying to bring in some ones that we knew more about. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess a question I would ask you before we look at some of the numbers is, um, AJ, do you like off the top of your head, what do you think makes one team better than another, than another? Uh, obviously the wins and losses. I mean, that's the number everybody seems to go to, but that doesn't always tell the end story. Um, maybe something else could be the amount of, points the team scores uh versus how many points you, your defense allows so you know the point differential uh per game potentially uh and then even kind of looking forward maybe even how many players end up being uh drafted or have the potential for a professional career in the NFL so i guess those are the top 3 that i got yeah those are all those are all good indicators um i would agree with those as well um, one other question real quick before, and we're going to be talking about 93, 2004, 2010, and 2013. So in the 2013 is really the biggie here. Do you think when you're talking about the best teams of all time, should you include a team that lost a game? Uh, 
See, that's a tough one because obviously in the 2013 season, it, it, that one itself, you had two losses for the whole season. One of them was a game change or season changing. It, it changed the trajectory and the mindset of these players. Um, and I think probably since 2013 kind of proved that, you know, you can have a legitimate uh, contender for a national championship with even a one loss um, and maybe a little bit before that. But I'm just thinking about the Auburn history. We saw 2013, you had one loss in the season and our team rebounded so quickly and so uh, amazingly to make that run, especially after the 2012, 2012 season uh, where we only won three games the whole season. To see that comeback from a 2013 team, I think has to be in there. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think, you know, the the LSU loss was a loss, um, but it was season-defining. And then the Florida State one was just so – I mean, I go back to that, and I'm thinking, all right, if we keep our lane on one of their kick returns, yep. they lose. If we don't give up that fake punt right before halftime, they mm-hmm. lose. Yep. If we probably go down on our last drive and run more clock out, <laughs> they lose. Yeah. And so, not taking it away, they won the game. Yeah, absolutely. But – but I mean, I think we were the better team, and that's—I know—that's hard to say when you lose the game. But the yep. it, it took everything going their way because we got out to such a big lead, and it did go their way, unfortunately. So I think yeah. that they definitely deserve to be in the conversation. Um, last question, real quick, before we look at the numbers, off the top of your head, just thinking about ninety-three, oh four, twenty ten, twenty thirteen. If you were the coach of another team, mm-hmm. who would you least likely want to face? out of those four teams right now if I said you got to play one of those teams the full squad healthy squad who are you saying I do not want to face them all right I'm gonna go between the 2010 and 2013 okay I think I'm gonna narrow it down to those I think 2010 the obvious uh juggernaut the best player was Cam Newton without Cam Newton I mean uh, people have said it and I somewhat agree that you don't have the team that you have without a Cam Newton leadership style that he brought to it. Not only his talent, but just the leadership that he brought. But then you have a 2013 that seemed magical. It seemed like there were so many ways a team could lose, and yet Auburn in 2013 didn't lose those crazy games. There was ways, I mean, if you don't make the prayer during here, you don't make the kick six, you go to overtime, who knows what happens there. And that team figured out a way to win 23 or 2010 i mean you got cam newton coming back in so many games man this is so tough like both of the teams had I think what gus calls the it factor i mean mm-hmm. gus was a coach in both of these teams he saw the it factor in both of these man i mean i feel like you almost have to go with national championship year even though 2013 is very closely behind it what what do you think, Jared? If you were an opposing coach, which one would you choose? I think that honestly, I'm probably going O four. Um, everything okay. you said was correct. I think that 2010 and 2013 had those star type characters that you know we're going to say get on my back and we're going to take care of this. I think from an overall team aspect, O four was better. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that they trailed since I think they trailed in the LSU game until like a, a minute left. I don't know that they trailed again the rest of the season. Um, I, I'm kind of shooting from the hip on that. Somebody could correct me, but that was a team that uh, they figured it out and they came into every game and they put points on the board and they did not give up points. And while they did not win as big a margin as some of the other teams, sometimes um, you never thought you were going to lose. Like yeah. I, I, that season, and I know you were a little younger, AJ, but I went into games and it even rolled over to the next year for a while. Like you just thought we have figured this out. Like we are that dominant team that you cannot beat. Yeah. Uh-uh. Well, and I, I believe that. that. And that was uh, one of the years that I, I just remember defense being phenomenal, but yet our offense was also great. And I feel like you rarely get that combination. You do, and I take it back. I think we did go down in the Alabama game because I was there, and that, that I figured they were going to ruin our perfect season. We did go down in that game and came back. I think that might have been the only other game we trailed in. Yeah. Um, and something weird about the 4 season that most people don't talk about, we didn't know if we were going to have that LSU game because a hurricane had come through. Um, we had to actually leave campus because it was one of those that got strong enough mm. up into Alabama. And, and I had buddies that went to my hometown and stayed with me in Georgia. 
and there was a question about whether we were going to have it, and it was not a packed crowd. Um, it was big, but not packed. So, um, uh, but um, that has nothing to do other than the fact that you know there are times where we're like, hey, is the game really going to happen or not because of other circumstances. Yeah, and uh, that that hurts your preparation and mental uh, preparation that happens right before a game, not knowing whether or not it's going to happen. I feel like that hurts. It does. It does. Okay, so real quick, a couple things I would say that matter are points that you score, points you give up, mm-hmm. strength of schedule. So points you scored on average of those four teams, who would who would you think scored the most points per game? 2013? Close. Really? So Yeah. So uh, according to uh, sportsreference.com, the 2013 team scored 39.5 points per game. They were 12th in the country. Okay. The 2010 team scored 41.2 points per game. They were 7th huh. in the country. Okay. 2004, we talked about they weren't the dominant offensive force. They were just steady. They did score 32.1, which is yeah. 18, good for 18th. Um, and then the 93 team also scored 32.1. Um, so... Uh, if you're going points wise, 2010. All right. Um, now here's where it gets. Here's where I think the the separation is. So, 2013, they gave up 24.7 points per game, which was 48th in the country. Okay. 2010 gave up 24.1, which was 53rd in the country. Okay. 2004 gave up 11.3, good for number one in the country. Daggum. Look at them go. Yeah. Yeah. And then 93 gave up 17.5 for 18th. So, I mean, I'm telling you, AJ, there were times in that 04, I was like, people aren't going to score on us. That's all. I mean, that that's a feeling I feel like in the last 10 years, we really haven't had. The only times you, you even legitimately think that are the no names that you face, like losing Monroe right. or I don't know, whatever non-conference game that we have that's not a power five team. The thing that, yes, you're right, and the thing, the, here's where 04 would lose the battle. So if you talk about strength of schedule, okay? Okay. Strength of schedule 2013, they got them at sixth, the sixth toughest schedule in the country. 2010, they have them at the ninth. Mm-hmm. 2004, they have them at the 55th. Man. And if you, and if you remember this, and I'll go to uh, strength of schedule for 93 was 68. If you remember, like, you could not imagine an SEC team going undefeated now and not getting in. I mean, there's a talk of, Auburn two years ago had two losses and they were not, they moved them up to number two in the playoff seat before we played it in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, that was just at the beginning of us starting to dominate mm-hmm. the SEC that is. Um, and that's why we got left out. Yeah. Um, I remember, and you mentioned down here, uh, or mentioned in, in the notes you have of the top 15 teams we played. I remember Kurt Herbstreet saying, if Auburn does this, 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 and this, you can't leave them out. And guess what? We went and did it. And then he sat there and said, I think Oklahoma and USC are the two best teams. So, um, I mean, AJ, do you do you remember how many good teams we beat that year? Well, I mean, the, the top-ranked 15, you know, top 15 teams, LSU, Tennessee, Georgia, and then Tennessee again in the SEC championship, you're, you're looking at some really good teams that we ended up beating. And, I mean, that's hard. Compare that to like even Oklahoma and USC, where USC beat Virginia Tech and Cal, which were ranked in the top 15. Oklahoma only beat one team, Texas, in the top ranked 15. Man, that is, if you're looking at strength of schedule and like the toughness of those wins, those top four wins, even though the overall season wasn't great and probably non conference didn't help you, those top four games should have showed. This team can play with anybody. Well, and I will tell you that was that was the argument. So our our weakest opponents were much weaker than the other teams, and that was the argument. And everybody's going to skew things to how they want to view it. That's just how we work. But my argument always back was: if you want to say our weakest opponent was weaker than your weakest, I will give you that. Yeah, but I if mean, our combined, strongest, go ahead. The combined okay, so the twenty uh, two thousand four team, the the you know the what they called the weak opponents were. Uh, losing in a row, we beat them thirty-one to nothing. So then you look at the Citadel. We only allowed three points on to the Citadel. Louisiana Tech only allowed seven points. I mean, that's expected. 
But you look at, you know, I mean, I'd look at the margin of victory there and say, yeah, they had 0% chance. Auburn probably showed out with their second team in the second quarter because they just didn't need to do anything. And yet the all the other games, you're facing pretty impressive opponents um, to still win some tough games, and, and they did so. I understand you're splitting hairs when you can only put two teams in. I get that. <clears throat> I was My biggest concern was how the media treated it. I mean, mm. I hate to say his name again, but even Herbstreet, after Oklahoma got destroyed in the championship game, said – we still had the two best teams in the country here tonight. And that just blew my mind, to be yeah. honest with you. Because you can't say you still can't say that to this day. And football's yeah. always been that way. You can't even say it with a four team playoff because at number five team, there's unfortunately probably been a few years where Georgia would have possibly made a run at it if they got in and luckily they didn't. Um it's just a sport you can't say that because not everybody gets a shot. Yeah. Um and it's that the was one- that was in the BCS era where there was a formula to it that they looked at. Yeah, And now you've got the person aspect of it where you've got a committee. Hey, Auburn family, we're going to take a quick breather from this episode to bring you an important message. One of the most well-known things about Auburn fans is how loyal they are. And we show that loyalty by the colors that we wear. Let us help you stock up on those colors by going over to our tpublic.com store. There you'll find a variety of merchandise geared towards designs based on E2C Network and Auburn content. While TeePublic is known for their t-shirts, they have a wide selection of merchandise options for you to select one of these designs to be put on. They also have other types of apparel, stickers, mugs, and much more. Here's the beauty of it. Your purchase will help support this network and the content that we regularly produce. The purchase will also go to support independent artists who put a lot of hard work into designing these concepts, especially for you, the Auburn family. And did I mention that they regularly have sales? T-shirts for $13? You have to be kidding me. If you're ready to explore your purchase options, head on over to tpublic.com slash store slash E2C Network. You can also get there by going to our website at e2cnetwork.com slash support. Now that you've got some options to suit up for game day, let's head back into this episode. Okay, so say we did go back to, or in 2004, we did have a, a playoff committee. And even if it was only two teams, do you think Auburn would have gotten in it? Like, do you think that would have changed? It's a great question. Today, yes, without a doubt, wouldn't even be a question. I would feel mm-hmm. bad for Oklahoma. Um, yeah. the Those teams playing right then, I mean, I, the pack. 12 whatever it is now doesn't hold a lot of clout but that usc team did so those exact teams in today's mindset without a doubt were the number one team hmm. um if there was a playoff system back then with those exact teams i don't know um you know oklahoma and as much as we hate to admit it um, there are tiers um oklahoma usc alabama notre dame michigan although they floundered they they're in a different tier and mm-hmm. then you have your Auburns and probably even your Clemsons, even with their recent success, and Georgias and teams like that that are really, 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 really good, but they don't have the championships to back it up. Yeah. Um, and Oklahoma and USC, I think we'd have lost to that name brand. Mm. Um, now, we've been helped a lot because we've had Bo, we've had Charles Barkley, we've had Cam. Those guys have helped our name brand. Um, but from a how many championships have you won, I think we'd have lost that battle. However, today the SEC clout is so big yeah. that we'd have, been, we'd have been in with today's mindset, no question. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I mean, leaving out a un, undefeated SEC team, that that's unspeakable. Yeah, they would not do it. They wouldn't do it. And it's crazy they did it then. And I even heard – Dick Vitale, when basketball started that year, he said it's a tragedy. He said the biggest tragedy ever will be Auburn football being left out. And it was the one sport you can't look at your team and say, if you win every game, you will be a champion. Mm. And it's that way every year. I'm not just picking that year just because it's Auburn, but um, that was probably one of the biggest flubs of all time. I mean, the SEC team going undefeated, not getting a shot. Yeah, really. I mean, that's. That's crazy. I mean, it's still nuts to me to think in 2004 to go undefeated, we don't get a shot. Yeah, um, I mean, it should it should not have happened. And, you know, there's much bigger issues in this world going on right now. I get that. But we talk in a sports world on this show, and in yeah. the sports world, that should not have happened. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I mean, I, okay, so 
here's a hypothetical that I remember running through in 2004 in my head and even discussing it with my friends. And I, I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on it. So say Auburn did make it in 2004 mm-hmm. into the top two. Do mm-hmm. we win? I think so. And I get that that team was loaded. I mean, USC, yeah. Reggie Bush was, I mean, he was one of the most dynamic college players of all time. Um, I think our defense would have been the difference. I think when mm-hmm. you get in those games like that, you can watch it in the 2010 uh, championship game. Yeah, Oregon yeah. and Auburn were just dominant offenses, and the game ended like 2017. So yeah. when you get in games like that, if you have a defense, it's like a pitching duel in the World Series. That, that dominates because the nerves are there. Mm-hmm. The defenses just somehow step up better, and I think we would have brought them down to that level. It would not have been pretty, and we wouldn't yeah. have won big, but I think we win. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, um, I think in the moment I was thinking, and maybe it's just the fear of losing a big game like that. Uh, but I, I remembered thinking and saying, I don't know if we'd win. Just well, and you make a great argument. We now get to forever and always say, "Hey, look, we were snubbed, and if we played and lost, we couldn't say that." So mm-hmm. I can't guarantee you we win. Yeah, but I do think. I do think great dom- great defenses when it gets into postseason play because you have so long to prepare. Yeah, I that's think, true. I think they have the upper hand. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. Real quick, uh, two more things I'm going to hit on. I want sure. you to let's talk about real quick maybe the defining moment of each season when we knew it was going to be good, and then at the end I'm going to go over real quick about uh, why the 2010 team probably never should have been that good. Um, so, do you have a defining moment from 2013 where you were like, "Oh, this might be this might be more than I thought it was going to be"? I mean, I feel like we had a a good team. We had a a pretty good team just to come back from losing to LSU and say we're going to still play our hearts out and try our best to make it to the national championship game. Uh, but I mean, the the point, and a lot of people are probably going to say this too. Prayer and Jordan Hare against Georgia. That was a ecstatic moment that uh, you aren't, you don't see that. You you don't see that in a hundred years. A lot of times plays not like that, that not where that you're, magnitude where it you're means down that much. Yeah. Where you're down and you have to make a crazy play and they do. Um, so, I mean, I think that's, that's my point with 2013. What, what do you uh, say was kind of that magical moment in 2013? You can't top the, you know, prayer during here and kick six for magical moments. But the moment where I, I, and it's easy to go back now, but I remember looking at my buddies and saying, we figured something out. It was the second half of the LSU game. We had Mm. not looked good offensively for, I think, two and a half games. We looked terrible. We were down, I think, 21 to nothing. Mm -hmm. And we go into the uh, locker room, we come out, and we start running the zone read, and they couldn't do anything about it. And I I find, and the way Trey Mason was running and Nick Marshall – I said, boys, we figured something out. Mm. Now, I didn't think we were going to run that all the way to a championship, but um, I know we got to move on. But I remember a, a comment from Missouri's head coach after the SEC championship game. We had just run for like 500 yards. He said, somebody asked him about making adjustments. He said, we knew what they were going to do, and we couldn't stop it. <laughs> and <laughs> that amazing. was what that season was. It was so fun because yeah. they knew what you were going to do. You know, people say, oh, you shouldn't have beaten Georgia. We shouldn't at the end. But people forget we were up 21 points going into the fourth quarter. I mean, we had mm-hmm. we had dominated that game until then. And Alabama was the team. And we were tied with them in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. and luckily got that kick six. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like we weren't supposed to be there. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, that LSU second half was, was it for me. Yeah, yeah. I'd, honestly, for I mean, that's one of those halves where I – I kind of I remember little bits of it, but I didn't think okay we figured out something. But now that you bring it up, that was the beginning of the zone read and getting that going with Nick Marshall. And it's kind of funny every every season it feels like Auburn's offense at some point figures out that's what our identity is. And I think that's where the offense in the at LSU game in 2013 found this identity was we're going to run it with Trey Mason and Nick Marshall, and it's going to be awesome. You're correct. And I want to say one more comment. A.J. Murray was down and not in at the Georgia game, so we should have never had the prayer of Jordan Hare. But since we did have it, I'm glad he scored a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. I've said my piece. He was not in. Okay. Uh, 20, <laughs> 2010, uh, what do you think for 2010? What were you like? 
either this was this is going to be a great season or you just were in awe of what happened what what moment so i remember in 2010 i mean this was my freshman year in college going into it just thinking okay you know this is gonna be a fun freshman year uh soaking up all the football i don't even remember uh cam newton's name being thrown around very much until probably uh probably around the fourth game which i think was south carolina uh that was the game when he did the ridiculous dive from like the 10 yard line or something crazy um and for a touchdown did you ever hear what um I'm sorry, but he, <laughs> I heard on the ride back, he told uh, Gus that he could have dove from the 15, and Gus told, him he be- Gus told him, you better not ever dive from the 10 again. <laughs> yeah, I believe on, it. Carry on, I'm sorry. But I mean, that that was a, the game where I feel like most people started to pay attention to this Cam Newton guy, because I feel like most people didn't know too much about him. They knew he was the quarterback for Auburn. But we figured out how to run with Cam Newton. I mean, he had 176 yards that game and against South Carolina uh, and had a couple rushing touchdowns in addition to three passing touchdowns. So we found that magic formula that worked for Cam Newton in that game. And Cam Newton felt comfortable. He he just looked like a almost like a giant against South Carolina. It, it was rare that they could stop him. He just run over people, and I was like, all right, this guy's going to be awesome. Um, and even South Carolina, they were ranked number 12. They were no uh, slouch of a team. So that that's when I saw this could, this team's going to be real special. Yeah, I mean, I that play was amazing, um, him diving. I saw a replay of it the other day, and I still held my breath saying get up because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he literally you know flew 10 yards. Um, to me, one of the most defining plays – in Auburn history, I'm probably overdoing it, but it was that run he did against LSU. I mean, oh, he, yes. he had that run where he, you know, went down to one hand. You thought he was down at the 50-yard line. And not only does he get out of that and juke several other NFL players, he outruns a, a first-round NFL safety to the end zone. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there watching that, and it's like slow motion. And you're just like, holy cow, I'm glad that guy's on our team. Um, so true. That That and, felt like a – you see high school football plays like that all the yes, time. Yes, it did. And he was doing against a top-level LSU team. He was. And to be honest with you, he was doing that all year long. I mean, it was like that guy is a boy amongst men. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so that moment was when – and I think that's when the national media started saying, uh, this this guy may be a Heisman contender. So, For real. Um, and right, that ended to, up being his one of his Heisman moments, if not the Heisman it moment. It was. Yep, it was. Um, two thousand four. I know you were you were a young buck, but um, you probably at least remember a little bit about it. What do you remember? What kind of said? All right, this might be a good year in two thousand four. So I remember two thousand four. There were obviously we played some good teams towards the end of the season, but I felt like our team was they just played a lot of unranked SEC teams at this point and beat them soundly, but. Uh, I believe it was the the Tennessee game where at halftime Auburn was up thirty one to three, and the end of, end of the score wasn't much better than that. But going up in Knoxville was just a fun feeling. Like you, I don't know. Right around that time, you I mean how we don't think of Tennessee as much of a a powerhouse in football, but back then they definitely were. Um, and to go into Knoxville and do that on them felt like all right th- this team their defense is legit our offense can score points the sky's the limit for this yeah i mean I, for people that were born after 2004 um i mean florida and tennessee were they were the force in the uh in the east they were the force in the sec i mean it pretty much ran that game was the big game every year um and tennessee was starting to come off of that a little bit in 2004 but they were still there game day was there i was at the game I went in there and I'd heard Neyland Stadium was the loudest stadium in college football. And we get in there and you could hear a pin drop <laughs> because we came out of the gate firing. And when I when I was there seeing that, I said, "This." I, I didn't know we were going to go undefeated, but I said, we, we got a pretty good team. And then Ronnie Brown running the guy over at the goal line, which will be played forever. Um, yeah, I agree with you. That that was the game for me too. Yeah, and I'm trying uh, to remember. I, I went to Neyland Stadium, I think it was – 2011 and we did a very similar uh just 
we quieted that hundred thousand person stadium so quickly. Um, that was I may, no 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 no. Hold on, it might have been twenty fourteen. Now that I think about it, I um, think it was twenty fourteen because we I think we went past the ball like five times the whole game or something. Yeah. We yeah. just said Nick Marshall and run the ball. We're gonna run, run it. it. <laughs> yeah, people forget twenty fourteen. We we may have had an even better not a better offense, but it was equally as good. We just had a worse defense. So, um, I I, I look. I got a bunch of Tennessee buddies. I actually don't dislike Tennessee at all. And I think Neyland Stadium is probably a fantastic stadium when they're rocking. But, you know, to go in there, to me, it was not. I mean, it was very quiet, and it was a pretty cool feeling to do that. Um, how about the uh, – AJ, I I'm going to date myself, man. I was – let's see, I was 11 years old. I don't know how old you are, but but, uh, were, but what about the 93 season? I was just a wee baby at the age of one. <laughs> Well, you've probably at least seen clips or something. Has there been a clip played back where you said, ah, that that would have been the moment? Yeah, this is the part where I had to go back and even remember who the coach was. I was one years old. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but it was Terry Bowden. Um, and this was his first year. So I had to look back at some of the history of what happened and what was kind of going on at that time. But apparently Auburn, at uh, right before the season, had been uh, caught with – handing money to an Auburn football player. And then we were, had some probationary stuff and that team didn't care. They didn't care that we were on probation, that we had limited scholarships. And yet we still had a, a completely undefeated season 11 and 0. Um, the, the one point that I remember from this, it, I don't remember this, but like looking back at history, I, I saw this was a defining moment was beating a number four team in mm-hmm. Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean that, when you beat a number four team, that's usually a good sign for your team. Um, and we did it under such not ideal situation of not having all the scholarships and not even being on TV, I think, uh, because of, of this uh, probationary period. That That's awesome. That that's That's a fun team. Yeah, and I think, again, we got a lot of people that think in today's mindset, and I know Florida's gotten back to good, but, I mean, back then, Florida was the Alabama of the SEC. I mean, they were dominant. Um, You couldn't stop them. They had Danny Werfel on that team. I think I had to go back and watch this, but I think we got down 28-14 or something, and it was at home, but, you know, this team had every reason to be like, all right, it's been fun. It was, you know, let's just get out of here and move on to the next game, and they didn't. They came back and won. Um, so I think that was, yeah, I think that's probably one of the, the turning or crucial moments of the season. I would agree with you on that. Um, real quick, uh, want to talk about the 2010 team. And this was actually this idea. And a lot of this data comes from the athletic, uh, Justin Ferguson did a good article on that, but he kind of brought up the, he kind of said, Hey, you know, uh, this, this type of team may never happen again. And I kind of just basically said, you know, why it should have never happened. The mm. 2010 national championship is crazy that we won it. Um, yeah. I mean, AJ, I, I, the average recruiting ranking, and this doesn't mean as much. There's, if you read the article, it talks about the amount of four stars. Average recruit ranking since 2005 for a champion is 0.9, and we were 0.86. Okay. Um, but here's the biggie. Are you ready for this? Yeah. The average amount of NFL players on a four-year roster, and I cut it off uh, in 2015, okay? The average amount of players on a four-year roster since 1998, 24. On a, wow. on a championship team, they had 24 NFL players. Auburn had seven in 2010. Wait, what? So and, you're telling me literally, a was that a third or le- less than a third of the players ended up that normally for a national championship season didn't go to, the, like, that's, that's so wait, many less. Yes, and the crazy thing is USC, Alabama, and Miami have had teams that have 30 or more players on a team that what? won a championship. Now, that's, again, that's over a four-year span. They were on the yeah. team at the time they won it. They wound up going to the NFL. Clemson's 2018 team already has more than Auburn did from a four-year span. So we had seven players. Wow. Um, I, I mean, listen, there was the argument is Joe Burrow the best player of all time or in the SEC Numbers wise, yes. If you're looking at numbers, absolutely. But the amount of talent Joe Burrow had around him pales in comparison. I mean, Auburn's pales in comparison. I, I, you could make the argument when you look at the data that Cam Newton may have been the greatest player of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an Auburn guy. 
and I love Cam, but I'm not even trying to be biased on that. When you look at the data of what he did with that team, you can make the argument. Yeah, I mean, the amount of... We obviously knew that there was talent around him, but I felt like Cam Newton brought up the players and when they played with him in a way that you're you're probably not going to see again. AJ, they had seven <sighs> players make the NFL, make an NFL roster. That's nuts. So you're looking at like two a year, something like that. Yeah, from the, that the, point on. The only thing that keeps it from being ridiculously absurd was apparently the 2000 Oklahoma team had ten. I think the next closest after that was like seventeen. I wow. mean, the average was twenty four, but. <laughs> Yeah, you didn't. Teams like with seven players that make the NFL do not win national championship. Yeah, um, I mean you you got to look at eleven guys on the offensive side and defensive side. That's a lot of players that just don't make it. Yeah, don't. I mean, Cam being one play. of Cam made it. <laughs> That's one. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, so now you have six others that are you know, uh, the one other piece real quick that um was pretty telling. So the average defense scoring defense, so how many points they allow in a game since 1998 for a national champion is 15.5 points per game. Okay. okay. What do you think Auburn gave up that year per game? I mean, it felt like a lot. There, there were a lot of high-scoring games. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if it was like in the mid-20s somewhere. 24.1. The highest since 1998 and almost 10 points more per game than the average champion since 1998 <laughs> that's crazy so when you look at the data should that 2010 championship have ever happened i mean uh, it with how many comebacks they made that was another thing i didn't put that down so i don't have the exact data in the article it does mention they had the most one possession victories since 1998 we had like seven of them yeah um i think there was another team that may have had six or, or the ohio state team i think in 01 or something had six or seven but everybody else was like two or three Man, um, yeah. This this reminds me of, and this was before the Clint Richardson gif of the heart attack, but <laughs> it reminds me of this was probably right around the time where uh, 2010 that there were so many close games just like this, and I I probably did the Clint Richardson gift every game <laughs> because it, it, of how close they were. They were, and again, I'm not saying Auburn didn't deserve it. They absolutely deserved it. It's more of a should it have ever happened. It's more like how impressive Cam Newton was is mm -hmm. really what this is all about. As much, I mean, he got all the accolades. He won the Heisman. I don't think he got enough accolades because mm -hmm. when you go back and look at it, it it's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of right now with Cam Newton and how much he made the Panthers better because of his playing Absolutely. ability over the last nine years. And then you know now he's no longer on their team. But somebody's going to find that find him and they're going to be able to use him just incredibly because there, there's something special about him that he just finds ways to motivate his team to win um and, and there's obviously other players out there that can do the same thing but cam newton just he had something special about him that i, I feel like you're probably not going to see another guy like that that is able to bring a average 2010 team to a national championship. I almost feel bad for Tim Tebow because he was the guy that he came along and everybody said, oh man, you will never see anybody like that again. So big, mm -hmm. so athletic, can run people over, do this and that, and throw the ball. And about yep. two years later, Cam comes along. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's that like was he, very didn't get to live, he didn't get to live that very long. Um, so yeah, and, and I, you mentioned him at the Panthers. I read something recently where apparently, I don't know if an insider, if this was on the team, but and CBS took it down, I think. But there was a quote saying they wanted to bring in Teddy Bridgewater because they feel like he's more businesslike and that Cam was more about fashion and things like that. <laughs> and if that's a true statement, look out. Um, whatever I mean, team he gets on, he's got a massive size chip on his shoulder right now. Oh, my gosh. Like, if somebody said to me, AJ, I like what you do in business, but I think you care too much about how you look, I'd mm -hmm. be like, what? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'm, I'm doing – I'm going to – I'm going to show you how to how to work hard. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Tom Brady up there with some nice jackets on and a nice hair. I mean, I you know, who knows if that was a true comment. Um, but I do think that Rule did want to get in there and be like, hey, this is my team. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, let's get – I mean, Camper has a big ego. So let's get the egos off. Yep. Um, 
but that's yeah cam's got a humongous size chip on his shoulder and um if he winds up on a a good team i think they're going to become great yeah for sure no i mean if even you need a you know good quarterback that can just run the ball every once in a while cam's your guy um give him uh, i mean really all he needs i feel like was some capable wide receivers and a halfway decent halfway decent offensive line it yep. doesn't even have to be great nope. just somebody that can give him two seconds to read the defense and pass the ball or get outside and run it <laughs> I, yeah i agree and i and i don't um you know i'm not a patriots fan and i would love to see stidham get his shot but i just got a feeling man somehow they're gonna make it work when they bring him That'd on be crazy um, I, I know the Chargers are supposedly leading in this, but um, if he gets on with the the Patriots, it could it could be fun to watch him. That would be nuts. I mean, that yeah. would be a really fun. Uh, I mean, just to see Cam Newton in that kind of offense, where obviously they know what they're doing, they can make it work with Tom Brady, uh, but to have that running element that Tom just doesn't have, oh, beautiful, just beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be I think it'd be fun. Um, I'll watch him anywhere he goes, but uh, yeah, I, I just I think they they always seem to pull things out and get what they want. So if he's what they want, I wouldn't be surprised if they get him. That'd be awesome. I mean, to have two Auburn players with Jarrett and Cam Newton on on the same team that that would be something real real neat. I don't know how many other NFL teams have ever done that where they've had previous college football quarterbacks in the same team. But yeah, yeah, and I mean that would give Jared another. I mean Cam may be there. I don't. I mean his health is he can't take those hits forever. So maybe he yeah. plays another two or three years, and then Jared is ready to take it over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I mean my my statement on Jared is I still feel like he's got at least a year or two before he's a NFL caliber quarterback. Just he just doesn't seem like he's uh, slowed the game down enough to be able to do that. Um, uh, I agree with you. Jarrett's one of those guys that on paper is always going to win. He's always mm-hmm. going to wow you. And even the, in practice, they say he makes every throw and he does it with lack of effort. But you're right. When he was at Auburn, he would panic sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, when, and that was – and with good measure. He didn't have a great O-line. But, um, yeah, if he can slow that game down, the me- the mechanics and the arm strength and the accuracy is not a problem. Yeah. So Yeah. And he's getting that good coaching at, pa- at the Patriots. Yeah, no doubt. Before you get out of here, do you want to give them uh, where they can keep up with you? Yeah, I mean, I'm just you can follow me at on my Facebook at uh, just Jared Davis, and then Instagram as well. Just uh, I think it's Jared Davis there as well. Yeah, you can find Jared's nice new haircut on Facebook, so <laughs> you can find him. Props to my wife. <laughs> uh, and you can find me on Twitter at a j y j a y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?